Hold it, hold it. What is this? Are you trying to trick me? And where's the sports? Is this a kissing book? Wait, just wait. When's it get good? Keep your shirt on, let me read. Welcome, Monster Squad, to Geek Salad episode 148. Evil will always triumph because good is dumb. <laughs> I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. I'm Catherine. And today we are here to talk about the top movies of the year 1987. There were a lot of movies celebrating a 30th anniversary this yeah, year. Yeah, a lot like, of we, we, And we, sh- we should clarify when we say top 10. There's like a distinct between the top ten box office and, and, the, everything, and, the, and else. everything else. And the, and the ones that are really good, yeah, really right. good movies that should be in the top ten. So yeah, so essentially what we're going to do, we're going to do this a little differently than normal. Normally, what we do is, and sometimes we've had to break this up into two shows. Normally, what we do is we take a while to talk about the top ten box office, and then usually like the top to fifteen IMDb that weren't in the top box office. This year was weird because the top 10 box office, almost none of these movies are really well respected or talked about today. Nah. A couple. Um, there's a couple. There were a, a couple. Yeah, there's I'd, I'd say half of the top 10 are. Yeah, I'd say a little less. A little less. Well, I'd say less than, top, yeah, than that, all right? Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll, we'll kind of blow through these a little faster than normal, okay. and then after that, we'll get to Christmas Cultural Corner. And then we'll move on to uh, some of the other notable releases. So starting the box office, 1987, top 10. Number 10, it's $63.7 million, The Witches of Eastwick. Never seen it. Never seen it? No. Never seen it. I think, I, 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 this was, a lot of people considered this a tour de force for, uh, for Jack Nicholson. This was the first movie that he actually just decided, you know, fuck it, I'm just Jack Nicholson. Exactly. Playing Jack and, Nicholson. Right, he's playing the character of Jack Nicholson, and everybody loved it. Right. It, it's like, this was like his renaissance. Well, wait, he did that in Shining. He did that in everything. He does that in he, everything. He does that in Joker. But the, never, never, he never just gave up and just played Jack Nicholson. He has always and only been Jack Nicholson. Right. Yeah. Um, I do remember liking this movie a lot when I saw it. I think I rented it once on DVD and... Or VHS, actually, Jesus. And that was about the end of that. I know it did introduce me to Michelle Pfeiffer, even though I had seen her five years earlier in Grace 2, right. showing how memorable she was. I think it's the first time I was actually familiar with Susan Sarandon. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah and Cher. And, yeah. Well, Cher was... I, I knew who Cher was, because I'm young enough to remember the Sunny and Cher show. Because I'm old. But, uh, yeah, the... the... I didn't see it. However, a girl I went to with at camp had been an extra in it. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it was shot near us. Yeah, it was shot in like the yeah, like, shore. Yeah, Salem. Right. Sa- of course, Salem. Yeah. Salem, Salem mm-hmm. adjacent kind of thing. Yeah, that she was explaining about how it worked in the church scene. Yeah. Um, how he had tubes going up here, and he wore a girdle. 
Yes, of course he did, because he big and bloated. Yep. All right. Well, I guess we don't have much to say about that one. Number nine with $65.2 million. The first lethal weapon. Speaking of another actor who made his career acting like a crazy person because he's just, <laughs> just a, a crazy, crazy person. person. Oh, you sure are a crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think I'm crazy? Yeah. yeah. How are you calling me crazy? crazy? You think yeah. I'm crazy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you want to see crazy? I'll tell you. Now that's a real badge. I'm a real cop, and this is a real fucking gun. <laughs> but uh, come on, let's face it, we're getting too old for this shit. Oh, uh, at least I'm. <laughs> <old for this laughs> shit. The funny thing this is, is, this is pre pre motorcycle helmet Gary Busey too. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> that which is amazing to think about. <laughs> There's, there's, there's like a true delineation between pre... His, pre subtle, <laughs> his subtle stated performance is Mr. Joshua. The craziest fucking thing he does in this entire movie is hold a flame over his wrist. That's and it. And that's it. That's it. That is as crazy as it gets. So, so you have a crazy Mel Gibson against crazy Gary Busey. Well, he wasn't crazy, though. That's the thing. He wasn't crazy Gary Busey yet. He ended the uh, motorcycle accident, well, which... Mel Gibson wasn't crazy Mel Gibson yet. But well, his well yeah. He, he was, yeah, he was. We just didn't realize it at the time. We just thought it. We just thought it was in the movie. We thought he was we, like. We thought he was acting in Lethal Weapon and Road Warrior and everything Mad Max else. And... Gallipoli and this. All right, I, I will still hold to the same. This is the best Lethal Weapon movie. I say number two because once you introduce Joe Pesci into the mix. Oh, I hate. I was gonna say that's the reason why just everything else in the movie is disqualifying because of Joe Pesci. Which one had Jet well, Li? Jet Li was uh, four. Four. That's I, when they got like all like balls out racist. I like Chris Rock. He thought it was hilarious in that Lethal Weapon. I only watched it the one time. And I had to stop it a bunch of times because it's just all the racism. <laughs> Hashtag all the racism. Don't bring in an Asian villain and expect some semblance of respect for the culture. That's fried rice, you plick. Yeah. Ah! Actually, no, they did do the pork fly lie. Oh, ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba -da -ba grape soda. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag grape soda. Hashtag grape soda. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Dante Hicks is just like you. He loves grape soda. I'm gonna start using that as a hashtag. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> oh, right. we will get so much hate. <laughs> oh, we will. All right. Well, not if we use it to describe other people as being racist. That's, That's true. true. Um, number eight with sixty-five point six million dollars stakeout. Don't remember watching. I just know that it was Richard Dreyfus and Emilio Estevez. I remember that this was Richard Dreyfus back during the career renaissance of Richard Dreyfus, which lasted from nineteen eighty-six to about nineteen eighty-nine. Because he made his big comeback in. When was Mr. Hills. Magnum's Opus? Oh, that oh, Mr. Magnum's opus. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Holland's opus. No, Mr. Holland's opus. Mr. Magnum. That was like that was like nineties or something. It was like yeah, it was, it was uh, late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. No, it was ninety five. It was ninety five. Yeah, that's kind of like the yeah, cutoff. But, but even still, that was like just a, oh, he's still around. <laughs> I honestly, I don't remember much about this movie. I remember, I, I um, remember it was made by Touchstone Films, and that is about it. I don't. I didn't watch it, so. No. Okay. Well. Uh, well, I th I, the only thing I know about it is it had a sequel called Another Stakeout. Yes. Oh great! And I think Gary Busey was in one of them too. <laughs> I would be shocked. <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm not going to take the time to look at IMDb for that. But yeah. unless I'm thinking of uh, 48 Hours, another 48. Another 48, hours. 48, 48 hours. hours. No, that was not Gary Busey in that. 
Who was that? Was a good. That was, that was, that, that was that, Yeah, I always get those two mixed up because because <laughs> they're hard. both they're because they're, they're both crazy. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. both completely nuts. They're both insane. Plenty of time to talk about Nick, uh, Nick Nolte on our next show. Uh-huh. Spoiler. All right. <laughs> Number seven. This is astounding. Number seven. I'm shocked. Sixty-six point nine million dollars. How did this movie the even get into the secret of my success? How did it even it was, get it into the, the top ten? It was the height of Michael J. Fox. It my was, yeah. and it's such a when did when did Doctor when did Doctor when I was ten watching it over and over and over again on HBO, I thought it was hilarious. When did um when did uh, Doc Hollywood come out? Ninety-one. Oh, so yeah, exactly. That was kind of like the end of the Michael J. Fox and Michael J. Foxerson's pretty much. <laughs> And I don't remember that movie because... It can be the reconnaissance. It can be the Foxerson's. All right. I only remember showing up so so late for Doc Hollywood that as I was walking into the theater, there's Julie Walters' boobs just like right (laughs) there. Bang. So... I think I watched it once on cable. Okay. Um, Secret Secret of My Success. Okay. Funny story about that. For years and years and years, the band Night Ranger, which did the song, The Secret of My Success... Ah, I see what you did yeah, there. Yeah, see what they did there? <laughs> they would, right before they play the song, like their their uh, production assistant would bring out a little bench with a phone on it, and then Jack Blades would just like <laughs> grab it and go, I got a phone call right now. Hello? Michael J. Fox? <laughs> we got a question for you. We want to know what your secret is. The secret to my success. And then they would start rocking it out. <laughs> of course they did. Yeah, because sadly now Michael J. Fox still won't take their phone call. Because please. hashtag sellout, please. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I I only remember that this movie is awful and Helen um Oh Helen Slater. Oh, okay. I was, was going to say Helen Mirror. Yeah, Supergirl is beyond wretched in it. Like she is just she is essentially if they had thrown a got like a two by four with a blonde wig on it, it would have done just about as much. Okay, so the reason I liked it was because I was a kid and I didn't know any better. Right. I was like, hey, it's Michael J. Fox. Oh, it's very silly. Oh, it's the, the, oh, yeah. Yeah. But the thing is also, it's like the closest, I think, movie-wise, he got to Alex P. Keaton at that point before you get to Bright Lights, Big City, Mm -hmm. where it's like the very opposite of, you know, um, the dark side of uh, Michael J. Fox. So, anywho, next up on the list, oh, Jesus. Ten minutes of pre a pre edit time here. Within ten minutes of pre edit time, we're already on number six. Seventy six point two million. The Untouchables. Probably my favorite movie out of this list. Wait a minute. What the hell kind of police you have in this goddamn city? Huh? What do they teach you? You just turned your back on an armed man. You're a treasury officer. Yeah. How do you know that? I just told you I was. Who would claim to be that? Who was not? Hmm. This is. Mm. I mean, I love this movie, but it's not my favorite. I think that this movie, well, out of this list, yes, this is my favorite movie out of this list. Really? Well, out of this this list of ten, we're not talking about the actual list of movies. We're talking no, about no, I'm not, no. That's what I mean. I, I, this, this is ten. This, this, this is my second. Number this is my four second. is number is your favorite. Yeah, right? yeah, I thought so. Mm. Sean Connery is so good. Yeah. Oh, he is. He, he is. is. Well, he won an Oscar for this. I mean, yeah. it's more of a career Oscar than anything else. So you, they send one of yours to the hospital. You send one of theirs to the morgue. That's the Edinburgh way. I mean, Chicago Scottish way. way. No, uh, Chicago way. Yeah. Yeah, Scott. Uh, Scott to play an Irishman because <laughs> it was the late '80s. We didn't know any fucking better. <laughs> um, 
De Niro well, no. is... And De Niro... I mean, De Niro is pure Virginia ham in this movie, though. Dude. Oh, he, but it, it worked. It worked. It worked so I, well. I, I have not seen it. However, um, De Niro's always... Like, I saw Brazil yeah. this past year, and De Niro's in that, and oh my god, he just... He he deserves all the accolades for all the work he's done. Yeah, he's he's more than a one trick pony. He can do anything. Yeah, he's like I I I'd already gotten on board with him after. Stardust. It's a, it's he's milled it in since analyzed this. So pretty much. No Stardust. Oh god, I haven't. Even, I've actually never seen Stardust. Oh my god. I watch it. I can't. Watch it. I can't okay. look at a at a uh, baseball bat the same no. way again after no. this movie. Okay, so you know, and not to get too political, but I'm really feeling that we're getting close to that <laughs> in the White House. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Anywho, let's move on to more things about the Untouchables. Uh, Kevin Costner is actually watchable in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, amazingly. Um, yeah, there are a few movies I like him in. Oh God, what was it? We were watching. We we saw this trailer, I, and this was last week. Um, we saw this trailer for something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but my mom is like, "Who the hell is this guy?" I'm like, "That's Andy Garcia." Jesus Christ, he let himself go. <laughs> because well, but, he's so young and thin and handsome and the untouchable. Right, if you watch the Playing Quizzle an then. Italian. <laughs> yeah, the Cuban played an Italian. Get any fucking thing right in this movie. And they were not politically correct about it either. Oh, Jesus, you're walking. Well, it's like the minute you are any kind of color, they were like, okay, you are just generically ethnic, we'll throw you at it. Yes, exactly. They talked to Tony Shalhoub about that at one point. Oh, God. Yeah. He's a man of many ethnicities. Um... You know, however, though, the biggest fault of this movie is the killing of Frank Nitty. <laughs> it is quite honestly the worst filmed falling to your death scene I think I've ever seen. This side of the Puma Man. Uh, yeah, besides the you know, Puma Man. Puma Man. <laughs> she flies like a moron. <laughs> All right. Next up. Number five. 80, $80.6 million. Moonstruck. I, the only thing I know about this movie is that it stars Nicolas Cage in Cher. Yeah, that's it. I, I know nothing. More. It's not a bad movie. Not a bad I mean, movie. It's, I mean, it's it's a, you know it's one of these movies that is it's a time castle a time capsule, but not exactly a 1987 time capsule. It yeah, just it's kind just of a, a generic in its a, own generic like 80s New York 80s time New castle. York thing with you know rough Italian stereotypes. Very rough. Nicholas Cage is completely hamming it up and overacting the entire time. The hell you say? Does he ever I remember though when I was in college, we were talking about this movie, and my my friend Jen had a roommate named Melissa, with a bunch of E's in it. It wasn't Melissa; it was Melissa, and she and she was white. Yeah, she was. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she. It was funny too because she was a short little girl, very like kind of low pitched voice, but very very quiet, and um. But she was just like, we were talking about Moonstruck, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, unprompted, she just goes into the entire speech about how Nicolas Cage lost the hand. I was slicing bread! And we're like, holy shit, that's hilarious! <laughs> On a positive note, she married my friend Kent, so everything's good. So... <laughs> But yeah, I, I only saw that movie because I had a housemate and she went on a crazy Nicolas Cage binge for a little while. Ooh. A crazy Nicolas Cage binge or a crazy Nicolas Cage binge? A crazy binge of Nicolas Cage movies. Good, okay, yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure about that. Yep, yep. It's crazy Nicolas Cage and Bad Lieutenant 2 and The Wicker Man. The Wicker Man. And 
Take your pick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bangkok triad or whatever the hell it was oh, called. Good God. I just like saying the word Bangkok. Alright, number four. Jeez, the jump of, of the dollars. dollars. That is a number huge five jump. Number five to number yeah. four is huge. Alright, so $123.9 million. Number versus four. Mo- versus Moonstruck's 80.6. Good morning, Vietnam. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh my God, it's early. Speaking of early, how about that Cro-Magnon, Marty Drywoods? Thank you, Marty, for silky smooth sound. Make me sound like Peggy Lee. Freddy and the Dreamers! wrong speed. We've got it on the wrong speed. For those of you who are recovering from a hangover, that's going to sound just right. Let's pull it right back down. Let's try a little faster. See if that picks it up a little bit. Let's get up on 718. Those pilots are going right now. I really like the music. I really like the music. I really like the music. Oh, still a bad song. Uh, I, this is my favorite movie on this list. All right. Easily. I, when I was... All right. So, most of my, my memories of this are flavored by the fact I went on a on a date for this movie. So I kind of have that kind of... Oh. Uh, Jen Larkin. Okay. Okay. Second date, kissing date, so there we go. All right. Uh, <laughs> moving up in the world. Yeah, well, hey, I was a sophomore. We didn't do kissing dates on the first date. So let's uh, go see a movie about the... The, the horrors of, of war. The beauty of Vietnam. How the I, fuck was I supposed to know that? Because all they showed you in the ads was Robin, Robin Williams, Williams being, being Robin Williams. Yeah, being funny. And even Adrian Cronauer, who this is based on, was like, no. No, that's not, not me, no. I would have been drummed out of the military. Like, like, Lieutenant Steve would have had nothing to do with me. <laughs> Lieutenant Steve <laughs> licks the sweat off a dead man's balls. I don't know what that means, but that sounds pretty bad. Mm. you got to give props to Forrest Whitaker for being kind I of just, a forgotten sidekick. I just, remember, I just remember when this movie came out, it was my freshman year, and... Everybody was quoting it. Yeah, That's all you hear in the hallways is everybody quoting. Because uh, we were a Robin school. We were. Oh well, this was after Live at the Met came out. Yep, which was huge. Right. Mm-hmm. Was it Live at the Met or Live at Carnegie Hall? No, Live at the Met. It was 1986. So whichever one, it was uh, Live at the Met. All right. So. That's when Live at the Met came out, and that everybody was, that loved was, that. That was his big one, yeah. And then when Good Morning Vietnam came out, it's like. Just keep going. Keep going with the Robin Williams love. Yep. And I, I do remember they had him call the space shuttle Discovery. Yep. Good morning, Discovery! <laughs> he actually got his first Oscar nomination for this movie. Yeah. Well, this was really kind of the, the, his first movie where he was taken seriously as an actor. Yeah, right. because, you know, we had five years had passed since the world according to Garp. Right. So. I just want to point out something. Len brought up, like, the dollar amount on this. Right now... For 2017, at $123.1 million, that movie ranks at number 16 on the U.S. box office. That's is that, is that a, of the But is that is just, I mean, you gotta, it's kind of odd, because you gotta No, adjust obviously, it. You, have to, yeah. you have to adjust, but still. Yeah, that, that's what we're saying, is that now gets you number 16. Right, 123 right. million. But even still, like an eighty-six million dollar movie like uh, Moonstruck. I'm just going over like standard. Well, an eighty-six, dollars. An 86 million dollar movie nowadays would be considered a failure. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's see if there's anything well, that falls it in. Depends, there. depends on what they had to. Yeah, but even it was like a ten million dollar movie. But nowadays, well, nowadays even even breaking into the top five is not considered a success. You have to be at least 200 a one. Million, 200 million and three times your uh, production. But you, but you also have like to it. open up at least number one and number two. Right. To get, be considered a success. All right. So to, to just go back to where Moonstruck was at like 80 whatever. The closest thing in this thing is number 21 
and that's Power Rangers. Hmm. I honestly thought that cracked 100. I love I'd... Power Rangers. So I really want a sequel. Please give me a sequel. Anyway, next up, number three, 153.6 million, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Uh, Chief, this is... Shut up, Rosewood! Uh, my name is Johnny Wish Wishbone. Johnny Wishbone, and I'm a psychic from the island of St. Croix. Yes, I'm a psychic from the island of St. Croix, and I read in the St. Croix Gazette that the Beverly Hills Police Department having some trouble figuring out crimes. So what I did was come to Beverly Hills to help the police out. They tell me they don't want my help, they don't need my help, so I'm gonna go on my merry way. I'm a psychic. I'm a psychic phenomenon. Ugh, where the magic was really beginning to wear off. It wore off it, it, at the end was, of number one. Uh, two, two is still watchable. It's not number three. Oh, it's not number three, which took place but, in an amusement park. But, I mean, two, two it, obviously it wasn't as good as number one, but it was still, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the worst ever. You, you, the, uh, yeah, Eddie Murphy mania had still, was still going strong. Right, right. It wasn't really until movies uh, came out in, like, the late, the, like, the earlier 90s, like Harlem Nights and The Distinguished Gentleman that really kind of took him down a peg. And then he decided to uh, start Kitty. getting into Family Kids. Yeah, Family Kids movies like The Nutty Professor. Yeah. Nutty. Um, any memories of this movie? Because I don't really remember much other than this was the first yeah. movie since Dune I had seen with Dean Stockwell in it. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's Dr. Yui! Dean Stockwell before Quantum Leap. Yep. 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 I think directly before Quantum Leap. <laughs> I think it was like two yeah. years later. Yeah. All right, number two. 156.6 million dollars. And this movie was like... All the talk when it came out. Well, because uh, because every cheating man, every cheating man in this country started sweating their balls yep. off when this movie Fatal came out. Fatal attraction. Oh wait, no, 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 I was thinking of basic basic instinct with the leg cross. No, this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was that was night like that was like 90, 90, 91. Yeah, it was ninety two. This 90. one didn't even have that. Mm. It, this had a boiled rabbit. Yeah, this yeah. one had the boiled rabbit and um, the controversial... This was like the first time, that, uh, one of the first times I think on record that the audience kind of dictated the change of the ending. Mm. Uh, after test screenings? Yeah, they, the original ending was was that Alex killed herself and framed uh, Michael Douglas's character for the death. Oh. Instead of actually giving them the actual theatrical ending, which is her, you know, getting her, you know, the wife getting the revenge. Right. Oh, I think that would have been. I think the original ending would have been better. No, no. I, I, I think in this day and age, it would have been better. In, yeah, in this nowadays day and we can age. take yeah. it, but it's it's we're we're talking about the time of you know, like my cocaine-addled mind can't handle this. <laughs> yeah, a little little shop of, little little shop of horrors had to have a happy ending. A little too complex. Yeah. That's true. A little shop of horrors did have to have a happy ending. I prefer yeah. the happy ending. Yeah, yeah. And now, in that case, absolutely. <laughs> just because, yeah. Otherwise, anyway, it's yeah. just it's just a really downer of a movie. But yeah, between Fatal Attraction and Basic Instinct, there was the uh, was it Naked Gun, Naked Gun Two, where they yeah. had the theater, yeah, the, the movie awards, and it's like mm. and it was just a whole string of all of those kinds of things. It's like Basic Attraction, <laughs> yep. Fatal Instinct. I remember like when they used to have like the talk shows, like Sally Jesse Raphael. Oh, and Phil Real Donahue. life hands uh, rock, real life cradles. Next time on Sally Jesse Raphael. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phil Donahue and all that, the whole bunch. All right, well, and Donahue was good. Sally Jesse Raphael yeah. was just. Right, I just want to point out how shitty this list is. That we're 21 minutes in pre edit and we've already gone. Pretty and we're already at number it. one, 167.7 goddamn million dollars. It's still three a, men and a baby. I am. Um, I'm. Uh, yeah. How did this? 
This is the big emergency. It's a baby. Why is that the first thing everybody says? It's a baby. Of course it's a baby. It's your baby. No, it's not my baby. It's Jack's baby. Jack has a baby? I realize such a concept tends to negate our belief in a benevolent God, but yes. Uh, because this was at the height of Gutenberg's the and Dancing. Dancing, that's yeah. right. Which is weird because Tom Selleck is the, the actual honest to God star of this movie. What? Right. Because of Tom because of uh Net Magnum? Magnum? No, it's because he's the it's center of the poster. He's the one who ends up with the girl in the end. Yeah. And by the the girl in the end, I really mean the end of three men and the lady. Still. Yeah. 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 And but yeah, Ted Danson was was up and coming with Cheers at this point, wasn't he? Right. Yeah. No, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Cheers. Yeah, he was still doing Cheers and the Goot was just being the Goot. Yeah. You know, it was this and Police Academy 4. Susan's on patrol. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, the day after, and... Well, everything. And everything. And the goo was in everything. Short Circuit, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, short Circuit. I love Short Circuit. Hello! <laughs> I love Short Circuit. It'll only be another ten years before this will be unacceptable. <laughs> Enjoy it now. He loves grape soda. The only, the only, the only lasting the stone cutters, right? That's what we have to thank for that. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, who makes you Gutenberg? A stone cutter. The only lasting thing about this movie, and this is like this is an adaptive video story, that when they revealed the three men and a baby boy, mm-hmm. that there was a ghost. Oh they yeah. Caught on in a frame I heard of about that. I heard about that. But a kid who had hung himself in the in the building or died in the apartment yeah. that they shot in. And I you, we couldn't keep this movie in stock because of that. And this was like two two years after the movie had come out. But that's like the whole thing. Three men and a baby boy is like the the real lasting legacy of this movie. I think I got taken to see this in theaters by my dad. Oh god. Yeah, I actually didn't mind this movie. I, I, found I just, it, I found well, it I'm sure you'll like it or some it's, shit. <laughs> it's inoffensive, yeah. but the fact that it's number one. No, it it it, it does not deserve, deserve to, be, to be number one. But it's it. I'm glad it made money because it was fun. Yeah. Well, okay, now, now, now that I mean, we've blown through this list. Now, when you, I look back in 1987, I think of all the good movies that I remember Wait, watching. None of them are on none, here. Almost, beyond Good Morning Vietnam. Jesus. Yeah. Okay, so Catherine just brought to my attention that Steve apparently Dave's Steve spamming our, <laughs> spamming our page for like the, the so last 15 minutes since we started recording. What, our Facebook page? Yeah, mm-hmm. I put this up like four days ago. And he's just been... He's just now getting to it? Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm getting notification that, after notification. Steve Day commented on a photo of your, all right. video. You're tagging so, it. Steve right, You know what, then? <laughs> Why don't we bring up some of these? Because we do have a couple of things on here. Catherine, if you don't mind me borrowing your tablet while I talk about this. Go right ahead. Okay, and then we'll get into Chris's Cultural Corner. So first off, um, and this will tie into another movie we're going to talk about in a little bit, but Jeff Tilton had brought up that Wallace Shawn was the funniest, smartest, most charming film, but a mass Avenger that came out in 1987, and in my opinion, it was The Princess Bride, which is Radio Days. All right, on to Stephen Day, who you can follow at 8cod on Twitter. Oh, to once again be innocent enough to consider Alan Quartermain in The Lost City of Gold on par with Indiana Jones. Really? Were the producers of Mannequin as surprised as the rest of us or how successful it was? Probably. I saw that in theaters. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, over the top, only Menachem Golem would be ambitious enough to finance a trucker arm wrestling themed actioner. 
And probably half of the other films I've got to comment on. Wait, yep, Alan Quarterman was on him too. <laughs> Which, again, i got to give our annual plug. If you haven't watched Electric Boogaloo on Netflix, for the love of fuck, once you're done listening to us, go on Netflix <laughs> and watch it now. It's hilarious. Um, he does bring up Lethal Weapon. Seems uncomfortably prescient these days. Evil Dead 2 bears the distinction of being the only film in the series that most people watched in the correct order. Uh, the Coen brothers haven't topped Raising Arizona. There. I said it. What? Uh, Raising, the Coen brothers haven't topped Raising Arizona. I love Raising Arizona. I love Raising Arizona, but we're bro- Oh Brother, We're Out, that was pretty damn good. Yeah, it is. I don't know. Just in terms of zany comedy, I mean, I still quote Raising Arizona to this day. If anybody says something to me... I'll be like, okay then. Because they used to say that all the time. Yeah. All right. Project X taught us the benefit of teaching a gorilla to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> oh, dude. They're chimpanzees, you idiot. Wait, and, I, I think he's about to post something else, too. Yes, he is. <laughs> Words, cannot describe, <laughs> Words cannot describe the joy I feel every time I hear Sean Connery utter an ethnic slur on the untouchables. <laughs> and Catherine will keep me posted. This is almost like he's live tweeting. <laughs> So keep me posted on that, Catherine. Uh, wait, wait, wait. There we go. There, oh, go. there we go. What is it? There's an alternate universe somewhere where the first Predator isn't the only good one. <laughs> I liked Predators. We will get it. Oh, Predators. I, I actually Predators. had. I actually had a little bit of fun with Predator too. I'm not gonna lie. Really? I mean, I I, I didn't like Danny Glover as the uh, as the lead, but I did like the fact that it delved a lot more into the Predator and they like it actually gave the Predator some characterization. Some backstory. I mean like you know when the like when the Predator has that has had the female cop like dead the rights and oh, yeah. he detects the second life the life sign, he lets you go. Yeah. I like that. I thought that was a cool little, little tweak of the character. But that didn't come out this year. Right. Yeah. No. We'll talk uh, about that another year. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so uh, let's move on to Chris's cultural corner. KKK that's not good. Uh, Chris does mention a couple of movies that we're going to talk about a little more in length, so let's just get to a couple of these now. Um, hey, Geek Salad Crew, I would like to do a quick list of my favorite movies from 1987 in no particular order. Uh, number one, Spaceballs, Ludicrous Speed, go. And don't think we're not going to talk about that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God, they've gone to plat. <laughs> number two, The Princess Bride, have fun storm the castle. We're talking about that one, too. <laughs> number three, La Bamba. Richie! I don't think we're talking about that one. Starring, no, no. starring Diamond Lou Phillips in Lou Bamba. I thought it was Lou Diamond, Diamond Phillips. Phillips. Yeah, I know. But I always call him Diamond Lou. <laughs> Number four, Eddie Murphy Raw. Tell Bill to have a Coke and a smile and shut the fuck up. Jello pudding eat, motherfucker. Um, I, I still think that, I still hold that that's the funniest thing that Eddie Murphy has ever done. What, the uh, Raw yeah, or just the raw, the... raw. Raw. There were some things in Raw where it was starting to get a little That's tired. An- that was an- delirious was... That was another thing that we quoted all during high school. Oh my... All, raw, all, all my during God. my freshman raw. year. Yeah. Raw. Oh, raw and delirious. Yeah. yeah. His jokes about the honeymooners being gay. Yep. But Yogi the Ranger. What the Ranger, Booba Bear? <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Was it, was it that one or Delirium, the one with, uh, uh, the, how black people would react to the, the Amityville Horror House? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that, delirious. that, that's Delirious. Oh, okay. That one was hey, a boy. Look, my little cute them jeans. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff you will. Never gonna get away with ever again. Nope. <laughs> and then number five on Chris's list. This, this was long before we heard about sexual harassment. Yeah. 
Planes, trains, and automobiles. Those aren't pillows. <laughs> One of the very few um, Thanksgiving movie. movies that you can actually watch annually on uh, Thanksgiving. This is this is an annual tradition. This this is the movie that starts the holidays. Oh, okay, we can save that for... Yeah, no, no, actually, I'll let Catherine do that one. Okay. So, all right, well, thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> and what is, what is Steve right now? Uh, he, he wrote, where's our sequel slash prequel slash special edition of Spaceballs, Mel Brooks? Oh, we've got special editions. <laughs> <laughs> Spaceballs the cash-in! And he's writing another comment. Someone is writing yeah. a comment. He is. Guess who? Unstoppable. He is having diarrhea of the mouth. Or yeah, something. I'm actually sending these over to uh, to to him right now. And say like, I just literally said we're literally recording. <laughs> so I hope that doesn't. Uh, so he's just gonna keep posting. So go, Steve. All right. So anyway, guys, most of these were called from um, IMDb's top movies, movies that we actually talk about to this day. Not in top ten. Right. The, not, the, not the the top... fa- these are the favorites. These are I, the ones... I will just break you know, say one thing. We got through the top ten and had a sidebar and we are still thirty minutes of unedited time in. Yeah, it's it's the movies that made the money in eighty seven. I think if you were to count how much money the movies have made since then. Since then or just well, these, well, the I think thing is, I think some of the ones we're gonna talk well, for, about have made for much these more. movies are are our pop cultural kind of milestones. Yeah. Oh, a lot yeah. of them are. Well the thing is they're still watchable. Right. Yeah. All right, well, let's start off with the only reason why Catherine decided to come tonight. <laughs> the Princess Bride. Well, it's past my bedtime. I know, I know. Well, hey, at least we at least I got out at a reasonable hour. We could be starting this a lot later. After what, the, what with the churros and all. Yeah, it's, a good thing, it's a good thing I'm not working tomorrow. Yeah, that's good. I'm not either, but I have to drive to the Cape early in the morning. I'm not either. I'm going to be off at 7 in the morning. So anyway, Catherine, why don't you get us started on The Princess Bride? I admit it, you are better than I am. Then why are you smiling? Because I know something you don't know. And what is that? I am not left-handed. You're amazing. I ought to be after 20 years. There's something I ought to tell you. Tell me. I'm not left-handed either. Okay, I've seen this movie about 150 times. <laughs> I've watched it with both the William Goldman commentary track and the Carl Reiner commentary track. I've read the book a dozen times. Can I make a request, though? Can we skip the kissing parts? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Someday any... you may not mind so much. <laughs> I don't know anybody who doesn't love... And I'm, I'm actually going to use the word love this movie. Well, it's funny, because... I only watched this movie when I heard that Mark Knopfler did the soundtrack. <laughs> which was like 1989, 1990. Like, you mean Mark Knopfler Nerd! did the... Nerd! Be- you have to admit, it's beautiful music. It, some of it is. The action sequences sound like they're done on a high-speed Casio keyboard. No, but like the ballads, at the, like the like the closing um, the closing uh, song. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he didn't sing it, but he wrote it. Yeah, story and he, story. Yeah. yeah, and he yeah. played the guitar on it. And it's it's a beautiful... I love that song. It is a really nice song. I like that song. This movie is just like... It's so unusual, though. It kind of like defies expectations. Yeah. That's the thing. They didn't know how to market it. But you know what? It, oh, the great I, thing I, is... I can understand that. It is like... I, in my opinion, it is like the greatest nerd rom-com there is. It, it is. is. And it appeals yeah. to absolutely everyone. I actually had dinner um, the other night with uh, a friend of the show, Dave McClain. 
And he and I were talking about this movie because he was like trying to just wrap his head around movies that came out in 87. And for the most part, most of the movies in his mind that came out in 87 actually came out in 86. Mm-hmm. But thanks to the miracles of home video. Yeah. Um, so it's just that this movie is it truly may be one of the few perfect movies. Yeah. yeah. It's well written. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It appeals to people who love action movies, who love romance. It's everything that the grandfather says it is. And there, the, I mean, if you think, if you just go down the list of all of all the characters, in it, there's not really a weak acting acting. There isn't well, because if it needs to be a candy. Robin Wright. Yeah. Yeah. And Carrie Elwes. And when you think about it, this is wasn't this like Rob one of Rob Reiner's first films? Oh, no, Rob. he did. Uh, excuse me. He did uh, Spinal Tap. Yeah. Oh, that's right. The short thing. Forgetting, I keep forgetting yeah, yeah, Spinal yeah. Tap. Yeah, everyone forgets about Spinal Tap because everyone thinks Christopher Guest directed that one. Yeah. Because, well, it's got that Christopher Guest kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Christopher, you know, Christopher Guest is Count Rugen and uh, Christopher, Chris Sarandon yep. as Prince Humperdinck. But, and, um, it, I mean, it also did... The Billy what, Crystal, it, it did, Gilda it, Radner. It did for a wrestler... Not Gilda what, Radner, Carol Kane. Carol Kane. It did right. for a wrestler what wouldn't be matched again until, until The, the Rock. Yeah. <laughs> It actually made Andre the Giant into a... An actor. Yeah. Yeah. Fezzik, are there rocks ahead? If they are, we'll all be dead. No more rhymes now, I mean it. Anybody want to pin it? Yeah! He had to, he had to learn his lines um, by listening to tape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rob Reiner recorded all the lines. <laughs> on the roots, whatever, whatever makeup they did for Mandy Patinkin... <laughs> Was because he looks nothing. Yeah, no. Out of like makeup, you have to like really look at right. Out of makeup, he looks nothing like Inigo Montoya. Well, it's funny too, but I found out that he was like a big, you know, he's a highfalutin Broadway guy. I'm like, no, no way. way, get out of here. My name is Inigo Montoya. Kill my, my father. Prepare to die. die. When he does public appearances, he says, "I'll do it once." Yeah. <laughs> get it out of the way. Recognize what made you famous. Recognize what brought you to the show. As you wish. Yep. <laughs> And yeah, that who, is who, when Darth who, Vader realized that when Boba Fett said it, as you wish, he really meant, I love you with all my heart. <laughs> who would have thought those three words would be one of the most romantic you know, phrases and all geekdom? Mm. Did we actually do that when we were watching Star Wars? Yes. Vader yep. released him, as you wish. And when he said, as you wish. <laughs> what do you meant? <laughs> I love you. But we have we haven't done our commentary of Empire Strikes Back yet. We haven't. Oh god, I gotta figure out when we're gonna do that one. But yeah, that was... as you wish. Aww. <laughs> so it's so touching now. But this is, I mean, this is truly a. I mean, this is, and this movie aged well. Yeah. yeah, looks a couple of backgrounds, a couple of puppets. Uh, you know, notwithstanding the R-U-S? R-O-U-S? Yeah, R-U-S is a garbagey. But anyway, <laughs> they look like dogs with. <laughs> they, they look like killer shrews. Yes. Dogs with carpet tied to them. <laughs> well, they were, well, they were, I mean, how Carrie Elwes has made career out of it. They were little people in costume, and right. one of them got in trouble, got like a, was pulled over for a traffic yeah. violation on the way to the set, and he's like, I'm late, and they're like, what are you doing? I'm a rat! I'm <laughs> unusual size. Why he has to... Have yeah, fun going in the castle. Always telling that story is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, this is. I mean, and this movie introduced me to a lot of people I've probably seen in like wife. smaller things before, like uh, Chris Sarandon. Yeah, I had seen in things before, but this is really the one I know him from. Even though, like they, a year before, I think I'd, I'd I'd seen him in Fright Night. I was actually watching Santa Monica, so I or no Santa Barbara. Oh, is he on that? No, oh. Robin Wright was. Oh, that's right. And now she's on House of Cards. 
Yep. And she was in Wonder Woman. That's right. And she was in Wonder Woman, and she did. She was in the the American version of the girl with the dragon and tattoo. tattoo. Yep. She's done lots of things since then. But it was her. She was like, yeah, I was on a soap opera. I was desperate to get into, you know, get out of it. But every time I see I see the Princess Bride, I always look because she's got like this weird throat thing that looks <laughs> like she's a drink star. I know it's not it's just the way her throat yeah. aged. But it's just like, I always look for that when she, because she is absolutely stunning. She is. Yeah. In The Princess Bride. And, and she still is stunning. She's aged admirably. And uh, we also had Peter Cook. Oh, that's right. As, as, the, the, as the priest. Marriage. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us to the Marriage, that wicked arrangement, that dream within a dream. <laughs> I, be- I, oh I believe Chucky is, is, is showing this. When I, when I first got married, I tried to. Oh my god, my wife hated me for this, but. <laughs> marriage! She's like, don't you fucking dare. <laughs> I will kill you I right will, here and I now in front you, of everybody. I, I will no, kill you and I will gladly go to jail. That's when you slip the, uh, pre- the priest an extra 50. Yeah. It's like, just do it. Just come on. Slip him a fin. <laughs> Yeah, brilliant movie. If you haven't watched it in a while, or if you've got kids that have never seen it, I mean, honestly, the appropriate age for this, I would say, is seven. Yeah. That's, I think, when we showed Scarlet, she laughed like a loon when Vizzini died. <laughs> Just showing what sociopathic tendencies my children have. <laughs> I wonder where they got that from. Mm. No idea. Mm. I have no idea. My son was asking, we watched Phantom Menace last night, and he's like, when does Darth Maul get cut in half? Jamie, what was he, he loved it. And like, what's your favorite part of the movie? When Darth Maul got cut in half. <laughs> All right. Just hang out in your room and don't come out. <laughs> <laughs> Until you're 18. If I if find I find any rodent skeletons in your closet, I you are grounded. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good Lord. Steve is actually putting more up here. Yeah, well, I, I figured we'd just talk about it when we started talking about those movies. Yeah, exactly. And actually, one of them is coming up next. All right. All right, so the next movie on the list, according to Steve, depending on your worldview, Full Metal Jacket is either terrifying or... Or inspiring. It's in terrifying. In either case, equally quotable. There's just good storytelling. You had best sound off that you love the Virgin Mary, or I'm gonna stomp your guts out. Now you do love the Virgin Mary, don't you? Sir, negative, sir. Private Joker, are you trying to offend me? Sir, negative, sir. Sir, the private believes that any answer he gives will be wrong, and the senior drill instructor will beat him harder if he reverses himself, sir. Who's your squad leader, scumbag? Sir, the private squad leader's Private Snowball, sir! Private Snowball! Sir! Private Snowball, report your daughter, sir! Private Snowball, you're fired! Private Joker is promoted to squad leader! Um, this is one of those movies that you, you can... The the best part of this movie is the, the first half. That is it. Half. And after it that, it drops off. It could easily be its own movie. It, it could right. easily be its own movie. After that, it drops off. And the thing is... It's so. It really is kind of scary when you think, because Arlie Ermy was just a consultant when the movie started, right? And they said the actor's not doing it. We we need a real drill sergeant, and that's what that's like his first acting role, right? He was nominated for a Golden Globe for that movie yeah. too. Yeah, uh, he was just he's terrifying. He's the it's, easily it's not terrifying, but it's just memorable. It's just a lot of like the 
the th- the, th- the thematically like when he said when the, like okay you know you know what Lee Harvey Os- Oswald was he was a marine sniper yeah. you know and he took pride in it that's like the guy killed a president that's not yeah. something you take pride in um supposedly yeah so, okay so but here's the thing also though is that the um when you when you start that movie out it starts kind of quietly and mellowly you know right. Warner Brothers logo and then you're watching everybody get their crew cuts they're all standing in line and he just comes out and just starts shouting at them. Yep. So the first five minutes of the movie are really, really quiet, and then it's just this scream fest. Yeah. Apparently, from my friend, from my friends that were in the Marines, my friends from school, they say that's ex- you don't you have no idea what's uh-huh. going to happen. You go in, you get your haircut, and then you're sitting in the you stand you're actually you're just sitting in the bus, waiting, and just out of nowhere in the middle of the night, you're sitting in this bus, and just somebody just yells at you. He's yeah. Like, What's going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, but you're right about the second half, though. The second half this is, is like a generic war movie. Right. I've never yeah. seen it. You've never yeah. seen it? No, this, I'm, this I'm... is why we got Sarge in Toy Story. Yeah. Well, that's because Sarge is Arlie Ermey, because that's all exactly. he plays now, are yelling Marines. I'm um, the movie. only thing that come out of the second half of the movie is the Me Love You Long Time. <laughs> Fucky sucky one dollar, yeah, you know? That was another high school favorite. Yep. Me Love You Long Time. Shut up! Well, hey, cutting crew made, made use no, of that cutting one. crew. No, no, oh, two wait, live crew. No, nice, so yeah, yeah. It was one of the crews. Well, two live crew was my senior year. So. But the the issue with I mean the, the biggest issue with this is that it I think it flails in comparison overall to Platoon. Oh, Platoon is so Platoon is a, is the best it, Vietnam War movie ever made. Overall, Platoon is so much better than Full Metal yeah. Jacket. Full Metal Jacket has the benefit of being a. Stanley Kubrick movie, which means every scene was shot meticulously a thousand times. Yep. Right. I'm fairly certain that Matthew Modine was sent into. Uh, it's, it, yeah, in terms of filmmaking, you can't fault Full Metal Jacket. In terms no. of the actual film, the film, the process of making a film, you can go to sleep after the first half. Right. Um, and Adam Baldwin is in that movie. Oh, that's right. Young he was. Adam Baldwin. He's he's the Baldwin that's not a Baldwin. Right? He's the Baldwin right. that's not a Baldwin. Right. Gotcha. No, he's so. Jane. Jeez, he's yeah, he's Jane writing. from. Uh, yeah, I know he's, he keeps going. So we'll try to fill these in as best as possible here. Yeah, just, he just, just populate them more than. Yep. He is not stopping. Well, hey, he knew. I, I told him we were recording, so. Jesus All right. Christ, lay off the meth, will you? <laughs> so next up on this list, Dirty Dancing, which I was shocked wasn't in the top ten. I thought it was. I thought it was like a bigger movie. Than I thought it was. it was a bigger hit than it really was. It I think had it was two like the number tracks. I thought this was the number thirteen movie. I think it was like the number thirteen movie of the year. Though, though to be honest, the, the 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 thing that really stands out to me about Dirty Dancing is the song. I had the time of my life. Right. That's it. Yeah. Which is so beyond anachronistic when it actually is put in place of what type of music was around in nineteen sixty three. Right. Yeah. Didn't this one also have Hungry Eyes? Yes, yes. it did. Yeah. I like Hungry Eyes. Yeah, yeah. It also had She's Like the Wind. Oh, yeah, you know, Another you know, anachronistic song to 1963. Well, let's celebrate a movie that celebrates statutory rape. It does. It does. And the funny thing, did you remember when they did the remake a couple of, uh, months ago on TV? I did. I didn't watch it. Oh, my God. I thought my Facebook was going to catch fire. <laughs> it was like, it was just like trying to make it more like a musical, and the leads had zero chemistry. Oh. Oh, yeah. Apparently, um, I've heard stories about like when they, uh, when they, because they did, um, uh, what was that? Uh, uh, Wolverines. Uh, oh, Red, Red Dawn. Dawn. Yeah, they had Red, Red Dawn before this. Yeah. And I, got, I heard like interviews with Leah Thompson saying she was just watching them. Oh, no, Jennifer Grey. 
Yeah, Jennifer Grey, and she's like, they have no chemistry whatsoever. Yep. And then they did, um, then they did, uh, you know, dirty, dirty dancing. dancing together. And everyone like kind of fell in love with them, despite the fact that they hated each other. Right. Exactly. Not not to mention the fact that at this point she was still Genie from uh, Ferris Bueller to us. And this is pre yeah this is pre nose job. This was pre nose job, which was the worst uh, career decision she ever made. Because after that, nobody happens. No one recognized her. Yeah. No, she just looked ordinary. Yeah. I thought I thought she was great, and uh, but yeah, Dirty Dancing it was a whole big thing. There was like specials on TV about it. There People, were multiple songs. Oh, and, and, oh, and it set off. It set off like this dancing craze. All of a sudden, you you had Dirty Dancing classes. Yeah, yeah, so you had, yeah, yeah. The Lombada and all that stuff, and, and, and salsa forbidden dance. dance. And like the, the 50s, and salsa dancing. I'm like fifties music. I'm like I grew I grew up in I grew up in Puerto Rico. Salsa dancing is not like that. I blame this movie for Bring It On. Uh, I like bringing on anyway, <laughs> but yeah, and there was like fight, yeah, fight. People, people were going to the cottage where they first did it and like writing their names all over oh, it oh. and because everything. It was like a, it was yeah, it was a touchstone for people that were fans of the movie. It was and insane. like the worst thing to come out of this movie happened like years and years later when Pitbull stole the. Um, I like that too. <laughs> yeah, that that song that they you know because the, because no, nothing because yeah. nothing says because cool. nothing says sexy like the Jewish Riviera in the middle of the Catskills. Exactly. <laughs> oh god, so bad. And what's his name? The guy who plays uh, Max Kellerman and is also in Roger Rabbit. Oh god, that's right. Stubby K, I think it is. He played um, R.K. Maroon. Oh, no, not so, R.K. Yeah. Maroon. He played uh, Marvin Acme. Yeah. All right, well, I think we've had enough of yeah, this. Yeah, we've had enough on this All right, one. so moving on to... Steven already mentioned Predator. Oh, this is such a good action movie. I'm surprised this wasn't in the top ten. Um, this is another one of those... Exactly. You think it did better than it did. Sci-fi hadn't really hit its stride yet. But it wasn't a sci-fi movie. It, it, was, it was a sci-fi... Alien monster! It was a sci-fi movie. Whole, it was a sci-fi action. movie disguised as an act, is a homoerotic action movie. <laughs> Just because Carl Weathers and, Schwar- and Schwarzenegger were trying you to out son of a bitch. And then just, <sighs> oh my god, it's such, and most of the first half of this movie is I could but, smell the testosterone coming through the it's screen. It's nothing but muscle porn. That's really all it is. <laughs> Oily bicep pornography. It's just... Son of a bitch is dug in like an Alabama tick. You're hit. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. Huh. Okay. You got time to duck? There's one female a- um, actress in the entire movie. Yeah. And she's a victim. Yeah. <laughs> oh, even... Yay, 19- Yay 1987. Slow clap. <laughs> but I do love how they just they just hinted at the Predator until like until the big climax, really. You just get hints in, in, in right. Exactly, it's like Jaws in the jungle. Yeah, exactly. And well, even yeah, it wasn't until the very, very end that you saw the predator. Yeah. Even in his fight with Arnold, there was you know he was still in in shadow. You just saw explosions all yeah. over the place. Yeah, it wasn't until like he like fell into the lake and then walked out and it shorted out. That's you, when you finally see what the hell this thing was. You are one ugly son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay. No, no, it wasn't Son of a Bitch, it was Motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you clawed vagina face, what else you got for me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we did actually talked a lot about this movie two years ago on our, our big dumb action movie thing. In fact, I think we used it for the title. Mm, Get to the chopper! <laughs> <laughs> 
It, you know, it, it is a very good movie, though. I haven't yeah. watched this in forever. It's enjoyable. I mean, if 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 you if you think about, don't think about it too much, and remember the context of what it is in 1987. It's it's an enjoyable movie. Yeah. Don't take it so seriously. Yeah, it's a fun action flick. I, I gotta go back to Dirty Dirty Dancing for a oh, second. Jesus. Yeah. What does Steve write now? It was my sister's turn to pick the movie when we all went to see Dirty Dancing. Then my mom had to explain to me what abortion was. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, God. All right, next up on the list. Oh, RoboCop. RoboCop is a timeless masterpiece that taught us all how to love hyper-violent satire without a shred of irony. That was Stephen Day. A lot of people... That yeah. is Stephen Day. I want a chopper, now! We will walk to the roof, very calmly. I will board the chopper with my hostage. Anybody tries to stop me? The old geezer gets it. Dick, you're fired! Thank you. The funny thing is, a lot of people don't realize it's a parody of itself. It is. It's a parody of, of consumerism and right. just like, just well, actually, really, just kind of like that I mean, right wing rage that was happening at that time, which was like Cobra. Right. The movie Cobra is about you know one man army against the rising crime epidemic. Right. So what do you, what, where else do you go from that with the cult leaders who are also criminal masterminds and you know still rob grocery stores and whatnot? You have this movie that. Takes all that, makes it look ridiculous, has this real cartoonish gang of thugs. Right. And, I mean, the entire movie is nothing but, like, violence and squibs. Yeah. yeah. So, that's it. very many squibs <laughs> in this movie. Anytime somebody gets shot, nobody gets just shot once. People get riddled with bullets. Yeah, they, like, it's, they get riddled. Like that poor dude in the boardroom with the Ed 209. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, all get, they all get completely riddled. And, and the leader of the gang is the dad from that 70s show. That is true. Taking the last churro, by the way. Go for it. Dude, when Alex Murphy gets killed, yeah. ooh, he gets slaughtered. I never realized that they had cut. Because when I saw it in the theater, I did see this in the theater. I did too. They actually showed his hand getting blown off. Yep. Future cuts, until they went back to the unrated cut, cut that out. Yeah. That, was what, that, like, that, that draws the line. Not the dude getting shot in the dick in between right, the Right, and then the mess. Yeah. Yeah. Or the dude is melting. Yeah, oh. that's that's the one that, that most sticks out in my mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, gets, he falls in a vat of toxic waste. Then he walks around, he's like bubbling. He's like, he looks like... Um, oh. The Toxic Avenger? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd say the Toxic Avenger. I was going to say, because this movie takes a little... It's, it's like a cross between Toxic Avenger and, you know... Yeah. It's like a serious... You know, a Toxic Avenger that tries to take itself seriously. Then he gets right. hit by a but car it's and it explodes. Itself at the same time. Yeah. But yeah, the... the yeah, I, have, I haven't seen the whole movie yet, but we did watch the British 10-minute rap song of it, which is on, on YouTube, which I will say, if, if you have 10 minutes and you want to see something kind of funny, that's the, the rapping is pretty well done, I would go for it. Now, the, the, you know, the, the thing that kind of stands out to me about RoboCop when I watch it now is... <coughs> excuse me. That's okay. Is that Peter Weller is an archaeologist. That's a, a funny PhD, thing. When I, he is a PhD archaeologist tenured professor... Who has gone on like, like major digs in like the Middle East and stuff like yep. that? And it's like, and you did RoboCop <laughs> <laughs> and Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> oh, oh. I yeah. like Buckaroo Banzai. Leave me alone. 
All right. Oh, by the way, I'm going to go back on another Steve thing here. And this was actually his last one. This is his last one before I don't go back be, to all the other ones he sent. Don't give me the judgment. Three men and a baby grabbed the number one spot of the year whilst the Princess Bride didn't even crack the top ten. Tells you everything you need to know about last year's election. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, back to RoboCop. So it's always been like it's that. It's always been like that. So yeah, RoboCop. I love RoboCop. This is it is. It's such a fun movie. I don't own RoboCop in any form. You don't have to. It'll it'll show up on it shows up on Spike on a regular rotation. But that Spike, yeah, so I gotta watch it where dudes are getting shot in the face, and you know, you know I also gotta say I I don't mind RoboCop two either. You know what? I actually I have a soft spot for that movie. Um, I mean it's not nearly as good, no, especially no. if you actually go back to compare it. No, but on its own, it's actually it's still a fun movie. It's still better than the remake. <laughs> That's true. You left his hand. Why not? Yeah. Joel Kinnaman. Still looking for that big movie that's going to make him <laughs> oh, a star. Oh, poor guy. Probably going to get written out of Suicide Squad 2. Yeah. Um, alright. Moving on to the movie that Steve says aged... It only wishes it aged as well as Kiefer Sutherland did. The Lost Boys. Does your brother sleep a lot? Yeah, all day. Does the sunlight freak him out? Uh, he wears sunglasses in the house. Bad breath. Long fingernails. Yeah, his fingernails are all a bit longer. Um, he always had bad breath, though. He's a vampire, all right. Which, yeah. which for me stands out most as the uh, the biggest non Bill and Ted acting role for <laughs> Alex Winter. Yeah, that's true. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I re- this is another one. This was like a you rent it. You know, you, you you would rent this movie all the time for like a certain period of time, like throughout eighty eight, eighty nine. Yeah, and then you stopped. It's like also it just like dropped off the face of the earth. Was this the start of the love affair with the two Corys? Uh, yes, this is their this, this is their first, first movie, movie together. together. Yes. Yeah. Follow the next and you year. You find out how annoying they were. Feldman and Haim. And this is back when Feldman was still like actually you know acting Bobby and playing Bobby. characters and not a complete parody of himself. Yes. Corey Haim, you know, God rest his soul, has always sucked as an actor. Yeah. Yeah. And it just was. Just worse than this. I feel bad for anybody in this movie. I feel bad for Jason Patrick. That dude deserved a better career than he got. Well, after oh, Flatliners, yeah. I mean, Flatliners was pretty good. After that, he just kind of dropped off the face Speed of the Speed 2? In that? Yeah, he was in that. I forgot he was in that. Yeah, Speed 2. Oh. <laughs> he was engaged to, he was the one that Julia Roberts left Kiefer Sutherland for. Yes. Back in the 90s, back when that was the thing. Yeah, during Flatliners. Yeah. Yeah. Flatliners. Two more years. We have three more years. We get to talk about that one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, actually, we can talk about this sooner because they are remaking it. Oh fuck! Yeah, um, starting out later this year, starting like Ellen Page, I think. Oh boy! And yeah. actually, it's going to be a sequel because Keeper Sullivan is going to be in it as his character. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, you know what? I, I, I don't remember hating this movie. I don't remember disliking this movie. I remember liking this movie a lot. Yeah, I so, remember liking it a lot. Yeah, it, it was. It, I mean, concerned. I mean. But this is a time. This is a time capsule. You know why? Because what's his name? The shirtless dude with the saxophone actually plays at the fair at the beach. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Tina Turner's uh, sax guy, who essentially eighty sax guy. It was such an eighty sax guy because he had like the long greasy hair and the dude was like it was a mullet. It wasn't long. Yeah, a mullet. He was fucking ripped to the gills and oiled up, and he didn't even need like the little like neck strap to hold his his uh, sax. He would just hold that thing up, you know, biceps are rippling mm-hmm. with his tight leather pants. Fucking oh, God. That was a look. But you know that what? was a look I wish I could pull off. <laughs> it, 
as far as like Tim no. Capello, thank you. Jesus Christ, look at this picture. Yeah, I, I searched sax guy in Lost Boys, and this picture from Alshatron.com came up, and it's exactly what Andy just described. <laughs> oh dear God! Of you know, bad hair and a cut. Well, he's got a he's got a serious collar. Yeah. And then no shirt, and then purple pants with a heavy metal belt, and he's oiled up. Yeah. And, and he's oh. rocking that alto sax. Well, they they parodied that on uh, Saturday Night Live. John Hamm played this like just otherworldly being called Sergio. <laughs> this guy was cursed, and anytime something good was gonna happen to him, Sergio would like break out of the walls, play the sax, all ripped with a shirt, no shirt. <laughs> And leather pants. Well, you know, it's it's funny. Like any, if any modern cartoon does like a parody of anything from the eighties, yeah, they have a, a a ripped up sax guy. That's playing the sax. That is the official takeaway from uh, from the Lost Boys. But you know, you know, as far as vampire movies go, this is not bad. This is not bad. It's I mean, not bad. I like. I actually like the mythology. It. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's bef- and it's before. I mean, it, you know, before it became you know pound into dust. Yeah, Twilight, shiny dust. Yes, yeah. glittery dust. Buffy. Well, Buffy. Well, Buffy was mid nineties. Yep. Early nineties. The the original movie was early nineties. Yeah. yeah. No, the and on the Buffy the television show when you stake them they turn into dust just because it would made the cleanup on the show so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have to be like, okay, now we hide the body sequence of every episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the next movie on our list. The, the, fir- the first appearance of Thor on the on the big screen. That's right. Adventures in babysitting. Excuse me. I don't think I've seen that since I thought in theaters. Yeah, I, I didn't realize, by the way, that Thor or the guy that they thought was Thor was Vincent D'Onofrio. Yep. <laughs> oh, hey. Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio was the first person to play Thor on the big screen. That's blowing my mind right now. Wait, 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 yeah. wait a minute. All right. He's the cockroach man from Men in Black, you know? He's also, he's also well, Private he's... Pyle in Phil Metal Jacket. And he's Kingpin He's now. Kingpin in Daredevil. And he's brilliant as Kingpin. But yeah, it's... no, it's 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 just hilarious. I, well, first of all, I always thought it was Thomas Hayden Church. <laughs> who played, uh, who played the, uh, the garage guy who was mistaken as Thor, who is not a homo. Uh... <laughs> Say homo in a movie. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. This is a weird one because I remember this was like one that I taped off of HBO during the free weekend and watched it incessantly. Mm. But this is another one of those movies. It takes place in '87. Very distinctly takes place in '87. Yeah. yeah. And all the music is like from the 19, like the early '60s. Yeah. My mom was. Well, that was that was the people that were paying for movie tickets back then. My mom was so angry when we came out of the theater. She's like. She said she couldn't sing, and she could sing. And I'm like, she's a teenager. She doesn't think she could do anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she kind of sucks. And it's Elizabeth Shue from The Karate Kid, so. That's what she did to Daniel Son last year in The Karate Kid, too. She does suck. <laughs> oh, God. This is a George Newbern flick, isn't it? The Nebishi guy who would show up to be, like, the, the ideal boyfriend to everybody. I think he's in this. He was the... He was the guy who married uh, the the bride and father of the bride. Yes. He was in a bunch of stuff. George Newbern. Yeah. George Newbern, yes. The the perfect boyfriend. The perfect boyfriend, George Newbern, yes. Yeah. So that's pretty much what he, he played throughout all the 80s Bradley, and some of the early 90s. Bradley Whitford. Wow. Bradley Whitford is in this? Yeah, he played Mike Toddwell. Oh, you know what? He was probably the other, um, the other boyfriend, like the jerk boyfriend. Because <laughs> there's always got to be two. 
Directed what? by Chris Columbus. Oh, wait, isn't it? Chris Columbus directed this? It was his directorial debut. Really? You have the two boyfriends. You have the, the macho, good-looking one who's just going to be the abusive awesome and car. horrible. Who's got the awesome car. And he's abusive and horrible. And yeah. then the nebbishy guy who will treat you right. Right. That was, you know, the... Yeah, that was pretty much every movie in the 80s. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think Penelope Ann Miller's in this movie. Yes, yeah, she is. And the gun was never found in her handbag. Nope. Nope. No, it's only in Betty Lou's handbag. I, I don't know. Catherine's an NST reference. I think I saw this once. And I, I, yeah. I barely remember it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know this one. All right, next up, Overboard. I my wife no loves this movie. I've never seen it. I, I have I was, no idea. I was doing my homework, you know, watching clips from various movies that I hadn't really seen or hadn't seen in a very long time, and I saw the... The, the explanation of this movie and decided not to even bother watching the trailer. I'm like, this looks terrible. It's one of those movies that was probably deemed funny 30 years ago, but now it's like, this is kind of kidnapping. Yeah. <laughs> um, kidnapping and essentially you're gaslighting her. <laughs> yeah. All right. I guess we can move on then. All right. Well, Catherine, you hung around long enough. Spaceballs. Who made that man a gunner? I did, sir. He's my cousin. Who is he? He's an asshole, sir. I know that. What's his name? That is his name, sir. Asshole. Major asshole. And his cousin? He's an asshole, too, sir. Gunner's mate, first class, Philip Asshole. How many assholes we got on this ship, anyhow? Yo! I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. Spaceballs, the movie! What does Stephen Dace have to say about we already, that? He already went over his stuff about oh, the special okay. editions. All right, yeah, yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this, this... What can what can highly be highly quotable? This is very very possibly my favorite movie this year. I am the only person who doesn't love this movie. Yes, I enjoy really? this movie. I don't love this movie. Uh, yeah, I'm I enjoy it. A little too tongue in cheek for my my taste, especially the older I get, the and the more I dislike puns. Well, it's, he's also a left-handed freak, so yeah, I am a left-handed freak. I'm There's not. that. But no, it's just like. When, you, when I when I compare it to other Mel Brooks films, there are better Mel Brooks films out there. Oh, absolutely, oh, there, there are definitely there worse, worse Mel Brooks. But there are way better. There are way better. I mean, I love Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein way more than Space oh, Blazing, oh, yeah. Yeah. Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein are his best movies. Right, oh, yeah. Yeah. Spaceballs is still fantastic. Well, and like I said, when we when we put this no. on our comedy list, this is like the Gary Johnson of of uh, Mel Brooks. I put movies. I put Spaceballs on the same level as. History of the World Part One. No, I put it. Above oh no, I put it above that because that movie, while quotable, is terrible. I, I, I like. See, I, the thing I like is, I enjoy, the thing is, I enjoyed History of the World Part One. I enjoy Spaceballs, but I'm not. I don't go out of my way to watch. Spaceballs. I'm, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put uh, Spaceballs above Silent Movie because it's way more quotable. Well, yeah, there's only one quote in Spaceball in uh, the Silent Movie. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know. That was a pretty brilliant movie. It was. It was a brilliant movie. Huh? The producers. I love the producers. It's, well, yeah. it's really, it's, it falls into a weird area, too. Because I, I think this was above the producers. For Mel, me. Really? Yeah. Mel Brooks was in a weird position at this time where he was actually trying to make a commercially viable movie. Right. Because, realistically speaking, after Young Frankenstein and... Um, the producers. What did he done? What did he done after? After like you know the the big stuff in the seventies. What, what was the big serious movie? He uh, Elephant. When was the Elephant? Elephant Man. He produced, and that was nineteen eighty. He was doing more production then. Right. I'm honestly trying to think if he made any movies between, um, 
God. Yeah, I think he had taken a break, and this was he his, must big, have, his no, big return. Yeah, the, the 81 was History of the World, and I don't think he made another movie no, I think this is his until Spaceballs. Spaceballs. Oh, wait, so, wait. Well, you know what? When was High Anxiety? High Anxiety was in the 70s. Yeah, late 70s. Oh, okay. Well, part of it was because also... After Elephant Man, he got into a huge fight with the studio during the during making the making of Elephant Man. Yeah, mm. so I'm sure he probably pissed off a lot of studios and they're like, you know what, we don't want to deal with this yeah, guy. Yeah, now that we're talking about it, I think I remember Spaceballs being like the big return, right? Of Mel the Brooks. big return of Mel Brooks. And but if you look at the box office of '81 versus what was coming out in '87, it's a huge disparity. And you know, like you were trying to make a more commercially viable movie, right? Right. So I understand it's an easy Star Wars is an easy target. The yes. issue is trying to make a really, really funny, smart Star Wars parody. Because it's like, well, you know, like with, with Star Trek, the best parody of Star Trek will always be Galaxy Quest. Yep. Yeah. Because it, it, was, it wasn't so much tongue-in-cheek, but took the ridiculousness of that situation. I still don't think anybody has truly done that with Star Wars. I mean, with... The, thing, the hard thing, the hard thing to, about trying to parody or satire Star Wars is that it's so beloved... That right. You it, have to go over the top. You not not just go over the top, but be smart about it. Yeah. Play onto what the audience knows about Star Wars and play upon that without offending them. Cause right. Because Star Wars fans, I mean, we're a sensitive bunch. We don't we don't take the easy when people make fun of our favorite you know our favorite movie franchise. So. Right. But I think space I think Space Wars did it as good as anyone possibly could do it. Especially at that time. At that time, still, right. Like, yeah. right because, really, when it was still really high. Right, well, I mean, you know, when by the time Spaceballs came out... This was four years after right, Return of the Jedi had already been out for four years. Nobody nobody thought... the Pretty much everybody thought the franchise was just, like, dead. Let's yeah. put it this way. Right. The power of the Force figures had ended by this point. Yeah. Right, everybody, you know... George Lucas had no plans to continue the, sto- the story at the time. There was no, there was no such thing as an expanded universe. No, you know, no. So so everybody just thought the franchise died with Return of the Jedi because it wouldn't be until ninety one when Tim is, when uh, the Thrawn trilogy would start. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I th- yeah. I, th- I was trying to remember when that date was. Ninety one was when yeah. Thrawn came out. Uh, uh, when was Splinter of the Mind's Eye? Splinter of the Mind's oh, yeah. Eye. No, that was seventy eight. Oh, that's right. It was the first Star Wars novel. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there are some funny things in this. I think some of the callbacks to other movies, the alien thing, I still think is hilarious. Oh, yeah. The alien thing is hilarious. The, uh, the, the... Planet of the Apes thing is hilarious. Yeah, we ain't found shit. That is a that is a hilarious line. The lead up to it, not so much, right. but again, I hate puns, so I, that's kind of my. I do love the fact that you, his right hand man was Colonel Sanders. Pizza the you know like, yeah. you know, like Pizza the Hut. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? That was a tough one. Chicken. Because- <laughs> The thing with Pizza the Hut was it was a brilliant gag that the it's scenes, a psych gag. It's a psych gag. The psych gags went too long. Dumb Delawis. Those went really too well, he, long. He, Mel Brooks just wanted to get a role from Dumb Delawis in there somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, there, there were some there were some things that took a little bit. You're like, okay, we could have. The setup was a, took a little too long. Yeah. Funny, she doesn't look Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to another type of science fiction movie, The Running Man. Killian, I'll be back. Only in a rerun. <laughs> I think hands down maybe my favorite Schwarzenegger movie. Loosely, loosely based on, on a Stephen, Stephen King, King novel. Oh my! Very. 
very loosely. Very loosely. As in, there's the title. Story. It's the same title. The same, the same, way, the same way that Blade. The, the same way that Blade Runner is based on a Philip. The Philip K. Dick. Yeah. All right, let's put it this way. Pretty much the same way that any movie made out of a Philip K. Dick, Dick story movie, yeah. is based. Or like it's based. It's essentially the same way that Psycho is based on. Um, oh, what was that? The serial killer. Oh, Ed Gein. Yeah, or Ed whomever. Gein. Ed Gein. Yeah. Psycho is based on Ed Gein the same way Running Man is based on the Stephen King. I love this I movie. I enjoyed this movie. Even the title, the, the, so the, the, some of the idea, you know, the whole... The whole and it's the same, you know what, it's the same thing. It's like show. you said, it's like... like it goes, he goes from like a skinny accountant to a big buff man. Well, it's like you said earlier, Andy, it's also it's also muscle porn. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a fun movie. But it's I mean, fun. It's, again, again, it's in that same category that Predator is in the context of where, when it came, what it is. It's a fun movie. Don't take it so seriously. Know, for, 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 like a, for like a big villain, I, I thought that... Um, Richard Dawson. Richard, Richard Dawson, Dawson was, was awesome. Was really good. Apparently, just playing himself, apparently he was that awful of a human being. I've heard that too. Yeah. Um, it's funny too, like some of the villains... Well, one of the guys, the guy who played um, uh, Dynamo... Oh God! Yes. Was dead by the time the movie came out. Yeah, like died, he was like thirty six years old. Died of a massive heart attack. Damn steroids. Yeah, um, one of the worst comeback lines though ever for Sub Zero. <laughs> Sub Zero. Oh my God, that's right. Now, Plane Zero. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just typed in Running Man into into Wikipedia just to pull up more info on it. Apparently, there's a South Korean variety show called Running Man. No shit. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's coming true! So, it's coming true! Well, if things progress to a certain point, are we going to go Hunger Games or are we going Running Man? Running Man. Think we're doing Running Man? I don't know. I'm still on the Hunger Games end of things. Both. Both. Oh, God. Both. Why pick one? Why pick one when you can have two top-rated shows? Essentially, they, Hunger Games is nothing but Running Man for kids anyway. Right, and the kids survive, you put them if in the kids Running survive, Man. put them in the Running Man. Alright, okay, next movie. I love, and Steve did bring this one up. He's actually not done anything since, so uh, I think we're good here. Yeah, okay. Once I finally find it on here actually, for Steve. Didn't he, have, didn't he have something for Running Man as well? I didn't see anything for Running Man. But I did get this, though. Inner Space. My God, I wanted Meg Ryan so bad. Yes. Oh, so, yeah. I am with you on that oh, one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, She's beautiful she in this movie. Cutie. Yeah, she is. Uh, he does mention a movie we're not going to really talk about. Made to Order somehow vaulted Ali Sheedy into the third position of my dream three-way with Meg Ryan. Must have been the girl next door thing. I, I Stephen Day said that. Yes. Let's be clear. I love Inner Space. What, what, what is this? Will it bugs just stand up? What's going on here? This can't be. I'm in a man. I'm in a strange man. I'll be a son of a bitch. I'm in a strange man, surrounded by strangers in a strange room. It's a very fun movie. It's a fun it movie. Is, this movie surprised aged surprisingly well. And I haven't seen it in a long time. All right, I, can't I watched it. It. Martin Short is fantastic in this movie. This is actually one of the first movies I remember being only available on VHS in widescreen too. Nice. So I have that that admiration for it. Nope. Oh, you look like you're going to say, oh, sorry. But, I mean, considering this movie is like 45% special effect, mm. it's aged really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. The Again, shrinking, the body stuff, the... It was, it, was, it was a cute movie when it first came out. I remember watching it. It was mm. so much fun. 
I mean, I, it was it was great having Martin Short play this guy that keeps hearing this voice in his head, and then <laughs> when when he looks in the mirror to show um, uh, Dan Squ- uh, Dan Squade's character yeah. what he looks like, just yeah. Dan Squade's reaction is beauty. Yeah, I just, I, it's I gotta watch this movie again. It's real. I think it's coming on Netflix this month. Nice. Oh, oh nice. Go watch it, cause I mean. It's, it is a really good movie. It's, it's kind of a tough movie to talk to because it's so visual. Yeah. Yes. But definitely check it out. Okay, next movie up. Okay, I got a personal title to this movie. The Monster Squad. Goonies for 1987. Oh, that's right, yeah. This is the movie where the once. ragtag bunch of white kids um, meet up with Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, and the Mummy. Yep. And I went to college with the lead kid in this movie. You did? Andre Gower, yep. Okay. Yeah, um, nice guy, and really was trying to live down this movie and hasn't acted much since. <laughs> this is the movie that Dark Universe should be building towards. Pretty much. They're going to remake the Monster Squad. <laughs> yeah, there you go. This is just one of these movies, again, that just has such a cult following, because this was a flop Yeah. when it yeah. came out. I think even you know in today's dollars, it would still be considered a flop. Didn't it? I don't know. I'm thinking about. So I, I, for a second there, I thought Fred Savage was there. It was like, no, no, that was. No, no. He was either in The Wizard or Little Monsters. Little Monsters. That's yep. what I was okay. thinking of, yeah. So. The Wizard. The Wizard. That's <laughs> what happens so whenever you blame any type of uh, movie continuity problems. Blame it on The Wizard. It's so bad. <laughs> Anyone else seen this movie or. No. no? I, I, just I, I only remember. I remember there was a commercial for it that Wolfman's I. Got Nards. Wolfman's Got Nards. Uh, I've seen clips. So. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Next up, oh, a canon movie classic. And uh, actually, I'm going to go back to Steve here because we've got another canon movie classic we're going to tie oh into God, this. Oh, God. Superman 4 is what happens when Menachem Golem's genius gets reined in by budget constraints. Much like Masters of the Universe. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, in- are you going to read what he said about Masters of the Universe? Oh, is it in there? Go oh, ahead. Oh, yeah. And with Ma- Masters of the Universe, we finally complete the trifecta of films that represent the nadir of Menachem Golem's storied <laughs> career. More gumption than money was always going to have diminishing returns. In both of these movies, you can literally tell the exact frame that they ran out of money. <laughs> when, they had to, when they had to decide between the blow or the movie. Oh, no. It's not even that. No, they would just like... The entire thing with canon films, which really ties more into... The story of canon films is more interesting than any oh, of like, the movies you know that what? they made. It's like the Atari. It's like the story, story of Atari. Story of Atari, yeah. They would make uh, four movies. Three were going to be low-budget and terrible, but enough to make enough money to bankroll that fourth but, movie right. that was going to make them more money to make four, four other movies. movies. Exactly. So they were really just looking towards the future. They were selling posters... For movies they hadn't even made yet. In this movie, they pretty much blew their entire budget getting Frank Langella. Pretty much. (laughs) I remember when there was a big rumor that they had the rights to Spider-Man. Yes, and you know who was going to play him? Michael Dudikoff. Oh, dear God. American Ninja. (laughs) Actually, American Ninja 2 came out in 1987. Shut up. Well, that was his his (laughs) warm-up. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, seriously. We could talk about Masters of the Universe, but why bother? It, it's so loosely based on anything you know about the story of Masters of the Universe. Like, you know, all the guns. 
Dolph Lundgren and his Dolph Lundgren-y best. <laughs> his Dolph Lundgren-est. <laughs> they were essentially, the director gave him four tries for every single line. And if he failed once, they're like, we're dubbing you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, I mean, he's, I think this is his first, like, lead role. Which is amazing because he's a, he's a PhD, too. It's this, yeah, but is he a PhD in like no, he's, Sweden or no, well, no, he's a PhD in like a engineer. Uh, yeah, engineer. right. He's like but a he, chemical uh, but engineer. But the problem is he can't speak English. Right. That was his big, especially then. Yeah, he's not stupid. He just he's not stupid. He's just he you just know. can't enunciate in English. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I think he was still two years away from uh, fr- uh, the Punisher. Was it nineteen eighty nine the Punisher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when when was Rocky four? Rocky four was uh, two years before this. Oh, okay. But that was like his first American movie, yeah. and he... What, he didn't have to, he didn't have to speak. I'll break you. You know, he, didn't have he, to speak. he dies, he dies. That's it. That's yeah. all he has to it. All right. Next up. All right. Now, you know, Steven already mentioned some stuff we talked about, but let's talk a little bit about Evil Dead 2. That is... Because I'm not a nerd if we don't if we don't park on a Raimi movie for a while. Yep. That is probably my favorite of the Evil Dead trilogy. Absolutely. Because, yeah. it, I mean, no. for me, Evil Dead 1 was too much horror, too little comedy. You, Army of Darkness was too, too much, much comedy, comedy too not enough horror. This is the good balance. This between. was the perfect balance. Right. It got everything right. This was... It's essentially a remake, though, of the first movie. It is. It's like a better budget uh, update. Of the, it of is, the other but movie. I mean, you know you got it right when he has to shut, chop off his own hand, which then runs around and attacks him, and he traps it under a bu- bucket... Poppy. With books on top of it, and one of the books is a farewell to arms. arms. I mean, that's just, it's, that a, just brilliant. it's a perfect running sight gag right there. And yeah, the yeah the the, the reading um, uh, if chins could kill by Bruce Campbell, his his whole part of uh, talking about this movie, uh, it was a tough movie to make because right. it was it was boiling hot. You know, it was it was the first movie was rough to make and it took years. The second movie, it was like, you know, a thousand degrees, and he had to work out to get that build. Yeah. You know, he was on a strict diet. They put a, like, they had a mask that they could put on his face so they could trace his wounds every day and get them right in the right oh, place God. for consistency's sake. But that, that was also the one that kind of created the Ash character. Mm. Yeah. Yes. The one that, I mean, he kind of became a character, sure, of his own character in Army of Darkness, but that's the one that it, it made the Ash that we're all, we all know. Yeah. Right. So I, I haven't watched this one in a while. I remember getting this as a like a Christmas present from an old roommate in like a tin box, mm-hmm. and uh, it's you know it's a it's a really fun movie. This is definitely the best of the Evil Dead movies, yeah. and I hope they never revisit these again. <laughs> uh, well, right now they're making a star show called Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Well, I, have they, I haven't watched that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's only in, in like its third season right now. Yeah, I've, I've actually got the first season on Blu-ray. I've, I've yet to watch it, though. Um, I, haven't, I haven't watched that. I didn't things. watch the remake of... Yeah, Ryan. no, because that was apparently just a straight horror. Yeah, that was, that was like even more grotesque horror than, you know, the first one. They're like... The, the, the commentary track on the first one, however, is really funny. Yeah, yeah. They're like, and this is when we lose all the women in the audience for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder what scene that's on. Mm. <laughs> Alright, moving on to one of my wife's favorite movies of this era, Harry and the Hendersons. I don't think I've ever seen this movie all the way I, through. I, I, no. Once, so I got, I got nothing to say about it. 
But yeah, no, Harry and the Hendersons. I haven't watched this yet. I, I'm trying to find a copy of it somewhere to show my daughter because it's my been wife ages wants... since I've seen this movie. Yeah, I've, I've seen it once and, I, and it was on VHS and it was like, I, I'm sure it's forgettable. Yeah, it, it was forgettable for me. It's a fine 1987 movie, but it doesn't hold up. Okay, well, eventually I got to <laughs> show this to my daughter. I should show, just show him the uh, the uh, new uh, MST3K season episode. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> with uh, yeah, 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 the the one with the the boy. And Cry the... wilderness. Yeah, Cry yeah. wilderness. <laughs> Bang! Bang! <laughs> Bigfoot just shows up and tells him that his father is in trouble. And he goes and escapes and finds out his father's not really in trouble. <laughs> but apparently Bigfoot loves Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, Diet Coke. Sorry, Diet Coke. Diet Coke. <laughs> All right. You know, actually, Mike, here's one we should talk about for a second. Steve brought this one up. Steve brings up Jaws the Revenge. The oh, movie whose trailer elicited laughter in all the wrong ways. Which one was this? Jaws the, the last one. Was oh, okay. the one where Michael Caine missed accepting his Oscar because he was out in the Caribbean filming this piece of shit. Oh. But yeah, no, Michael, I, I didn't. I, I don't think I've seen. I might have seen four. It was I Michael saw Caine. A bunch of times. I, I saw. Yeah, I saw Jaws 3D. Oh yeah, I God. Saw, I didn't see it in 3D. I saw Jaws 3. On HBO, because yeah. it was on just as we got. Now you see, for me, I actually, I actually like Jaws: Revenge more than Jaws Three. Jaws Three was a three D movie making advantage of three D ness. And, and very badly too. Good. Yes. But the reason I like Jaws Jaws: Revenge more is because I, I never I never watched it as a as a thriller or as a Jaws movie. I see it as a parody of the a Jaws, Jaws movie. Yeah. Yeah. The shark is gonna get revenge on those who wronged him. Yeah. And when he jumps out of the water, he makes a sound of a uh, like a T Rex roar. Mm, yeah. No. <laughs> we actually we were out in California at the Universal Studios tour when they had the boat in the lake that they were using for pickup shots. Like they had just finished when we got oh, there, wow. and the boat was still there. I'm like, I should go see that because I'm 14 and an idiot. Actually, you know, it's 15 at this time and an idiot. Hey, I went on the I went on the uh, studio tour two times when I was out there. Yeah, of course you do. You that's what you do when you go yeah. there. You go on the studio tour, and it's good. I oh, like I love it. the studio tour, but it's like, you know, seeing the boat. Like, oh no, I gotta go see Jaws: The Revenge, dummy. <laughs> but it's got Mike Kine. It's got Mike Michael Kine. Kine in it. Michael Kine makes every movie he's in <laughs> so much better. Except for this one, I fall out of a boat and I get out of the boat and I'm dry. But the but it makes. The movement makes you think that Michael Caine dies. <laughs> and the twist is, he doesn't actually die. Oh, this is the movie where the black guy dies first but doesn't die at all? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Was oh, it Mario Van Peebles? Yes, it was. Yeah, all right, there you go. All right, next up on our list. Because why the hell not, right? Hellraiser. <laughs> oh. The box. You opened it. We came. It's just a puzzle box! Oh no, it is a means to summon us. Who are you? Explorers in the further regions of experience. Demons to some, angels to others. This... Oh man, this movie is so fucked up. Yeah. Yes. And if you've ever read the book... Uh, there's a book. book. There's a story. There's a it's, book. Oh, it's actually a short story uh, by Dean Koontz. This is a Dean Koontz. Oh, oh my goodness. The book... Oh, sorry, the short story. story is 
way more fucked up than this movie could ever dream of being. And this movie, wow. was, this movie is fucked up. This movie, yeah. Yeah, I only recently watched this movie. Oh, let me just put it ago, this way. And I was like, what the hell? The short story has got oh so much ejaculate in it. Oh, this this movie oh. makes. I have never seen. I have never seen. A horror movie so sexualized in my mm. entire life. This movie makes the Cthulhu legend seem as tame. Yeah. Well, and that's the well, thing. Cthulhu too. isn't sexualized in the way this is. Yeah, this, no. This well, was, well, this was, uh, there was there the was pain, the pain and pleasure. That is really the whole principle oh. of this entire movie. Yeah. Is the pain and pleasure you? I mean, even the monkey decided to be like, "Hey, you know what? You know what? Fuck I'm out. this I'm shit. Good. I'm oh, that, that's just I'm good. That's wrong. That's <laughs> fucking wrong. I'm out. I'm out." I wrote my own shit according to that movie, so uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm out. Yeah. Oh, oh. I just I do like oh. this movie a lot. I I, 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 so I, can't, I can't watch it. I don't know if I could ever watch it again. It was just not. Like, I, I, I don't think it's aged well. I watch. You know, I guarantee it hasn't aged well. I watched the TV edited version, oh, and wrong. I and I can't watch it I, anymore. I, I can't. That I, was too much for me. It's it's not my it's not my cup of horror. No. Mm. I remember once I went to this comic book shop. They had a replica. Of Pandora's box. Oh. I was like, yeah. what the fuck's wrong with you people? So, we were watching this in college, and, you know, everyone's just in the, you know, in like the TV room, you know, all getting our drink on, get the lights down, and Seth's burning, we're gonna watch Hellraiser. About halfway through the movie, one of my sweet mates had the model of the box and just sees that we're all good and toasty and just pops it down. <laughs> And, and it was really just to see if anybody was going to touch it. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder who was the first one that needed to change their underwear after that. It wasn't me, strangely enough. <laughs> that would be something I would do. Now, the funny thing about these movies, though, like, you know, apart from, I think the second one was okay. Everything else from there is such horseshit. Oh. Mm. oh, my God. And then, like, I mean, these movies actually have Alan Smithy. Yes. As Did, directors. Didn't the third one have someone turn into like someone that shoots DVDs? C- no, CDs. CDs. He was the DJ. Yeah, he shoots CDs and like used them as razor discs, which Yeah, exactly. Oh, he was yeah, because that was his thing. It, the third one was just they were turning the Cenobites into actual just like monsters yeah. and not just demons. So that was kind of the thing with it. like the original four Cenobites were cool. Because they almost like they they all represented some they, kind like they of embodied like some twisted one. yeah a twisted version of something yeah all right moving on summer school with Mark Harmon no I've never not, seen it no oh my god Joe I, I, I don't know if I've ever even heard I, of we it. rented this movie about a thousand times between the summer of eighty eight the summer of eighty nine this was a I remember being a very funny movie. And then we all stop talking about it. You pulling it up? Yeah, to see if it rings a bell. It's actually directed by Carl Reiner, which is interesting. Nope. Not at all? Not really, nope. It's essentially just shits on gym teachers not being real teachers and, uh, you know, helping a bunch of kids through their summertime problems. Yeah, I knew I hadn't seen it, and it was definitely... That that sounds similar to my... One of my favorite movies from this year, mm-hmm. Ernest Goes to Camp. All right, go ahead. That was my favorite of the Ernest movies because it's just so darn fun. It, <laughs> yeah, it, it's you know the classic. Yeah, you're not gonna get it. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's just Ernest. You know, he he has to lead this group of uh, you know outcast kids. You know, from the wrong side of the tracks, and they've got to. Uh, 
try and stop this evil developer from take, from tearing down their camp. Okay. Like every camp movie made in the 80s. Yeah. yeah all this right. one has got Ernest. Okay. Except the Camp Crystal Lake movies. And, and the, the, the chef uses um, the, uh, the, the special of the day to help fend off the, the evil corporate... I'm sorry, but the best camp movie ever made was Wet Hot American Summer. Yep. Now if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go hump the fridge. (laughs) You've never seen Ernest Goes to Camp, have you? I've seen parts of it. I worked in a video store. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Next up on... We're really winding down here, so this is kind of... We've already separated the the wheat from the chaff here, but a couple we just got to bring up. Some kind of wonderful, which was pretty in pink with the sex change. Yeah. Uh, my friend Dave was supposed to get me a story. He told me this story, and I'm going to butcher this, so let's just say, long story short, he and a buddy of his loved this movie, had a wicked crush on Mary Stuart Masterson. His buddy goes off, becomes an actor, and then marries Mary Stuart Masterson. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Did we that, ta- I hope I didn't butch that, Dave. I really, really hope I didn't butch that. Did we mention Made to Order? Because Stephen Day had it. I already, I already brought that up. It's just part of his dream three-way with yeah, uh, Meg Ryan. Him, Meg Ryan, and Ellie Sheedy. Okay. Ellie Sheedy. Ellie Sheedy. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I, I know I saw that movie and it was terrible. Well, it was just like, it was like the movie Baby Boom. Mm. Baby Boom with Diane Keaton where she's a, you know, she, her only sin in this world is being a successful woman in the late 80s. So they've got to domesticate her some way by leaving a baby at her door. Because that's the thing that happens. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, to rich white ladies. Yeah. Yeah, Made to Order. That was a movie that was so bad at the time I realized it was a bad movie. Yeah, oh, God. I, I saw that, I think my mom dragged us to see that in theaters, and it was terrible. Being, like, a teenager, an early teenager, there's nothing worse than realizing a bad movie. Because everything should just be, like, you know, should at least be given a good grain of salt acceptance. That's true, yeah. Yeah. That's really your, your you, you know, you, you became a woman that day. <laughs> Sadly, I did not become a man when I didn't realize that the movie Back to the Beach was not a good movie. Oh, really? I saw that in the movie theater. My grandmother had us for the weekend. She's like, why don't you and your sister go see a movie? I'll drive you to a movie. So, my sister's three years younger than me. So, I was about 15 and she was 12. So, we had to see something that was appropriate for both of us. So, I couldn't go see Kevin Costner in No Way Out or The Untouchables. (laughs) So, we ended up seeing uh, Back to the Beach. Which, I was like, oh, Pee Wee Herman's in it. I'm sold. <laughs> Pee Wee Herman is in it for exactly one scene. The only takeaway from this movie I had was that Fishbone did some of the music for it. Oh, and I was introduced to the uh, the guitar silence of Dick Dale. <laughs> a love plus. affair that has lasted to this very day. That's a plus. I love Dick Dale. Anyway, last movie on this list that we have, the feel-good Christmas classic for 1987, oh, Less Than Zero. Yeah. Mm. Have you guys ever seen Less Than Zero? Nope. No? I, I've, I've seen enough. Have any of you guys ever read the book Less Than Zero? Because nope. it's even more depressing. Nope. Ain't nothing happy about this. This is nope. a story of three rich, drug-addled white kids who end up spending the entire movie being rich, drug-addled white kids. And Ugh. being uh, being uh, mocked by... Um... By Ultron. Yes, yes. Yeah, James Spader plays the, you know, the villain. The, yeah. you know, the third button-unbuttoned uh, sweater-around-the-neck oh, douchebag. Hey, Tormenting Robert Downey Jr. The yes. 80s prep bad guy. Wow. He was the 80s prep bad guy. Yes, Ultron essentially 
causes the drug overdose of death Tony of Stark. Tony Stark in this movie. So they've been they've been uh, they've been going at it for thirty years. Yeah, and if but if you look at like the uh, the face doubling that they did for um, Civil War, mm-hmm. it almost looks like he was taken directly out of Lesson Zero. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he was he was really really young at that point. He had a very young face at that yes, point. He did. And it didn't last that way because that's, oh, the, that's the, around the time that drugs. Yeah, yeah. Less, than, less than zero was strangely prophetic in his. Well, you know, not completely prophetic, thank yeah. goodness. Yeah, but uh, I it, don't it love came the close. drugs. But the drugs love me. Yes. Uh, I'd like oh. to bring up another movie that wasn't on the list. Yes. But this was uh, one. Of my, I was talking about things that were not my horror cup of tea. This one was actually what got me kind of going into horror was A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 The Dream Warriors oh god yeah I, I never really watched anything beyond one yeah what, well 2 was horrible we ignore 2 yeah um, but 3 was when Freddy really got into um, the the puns and mm. being kind of funny as well as being horribly killing everybody that one had Larry Fishburne in it didn't it it did yeah I started I picked up on those on 4 Actually, to this day, I don't even know if I've actually seen I, Dream Warriors. I think I've watched the making of on television. All right. And so, like, I didn't I didn't see it until many years later, but I know it's like, oh, this is how, I remember how they did this sequence, and I remember how they told me how they did this sequence, and so it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, the thing that I remember most from just seeing clips from 3 is um, Frey taking the tendons out of someone's arm and using that as like puppet strings to make them yes. walk uh, oh. walk well, up a that, window that was that was the the character created like you know had did puppets and he's like okay let's see oh yeah that yeah. was that was horrific and that was like even today the, the special effects don't hold up but you can still the actor's response to it um yeah makes it, sells it yeah just, just seeing that clip enough was like i'm good thanks yeah. i'll stick to my freddy the 13th now i just started watching rick and morty <laughs> and and your husband actually. Oh yeah, yeah. Too, <laughs> I know what you're doing. The thing with the um, like the, the inceptioning. Yeah. With the just just passes the copyright enough Freddy Krueger. Yep. With swords for fingers. Yep. Oh, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he sure says bitch an awful lot, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because after I watched that, one of my one of my uh, managers, Nadine, like every time you know I'm like. I do something good at work. She's like, oh, I'm like, oh, bitch. <laughs> I'm a centaur. Yeah. Oh, God. There's some really fucked up dreams, Rick. <laughs> I got to admit, the show isn't nearly as brilliant as people make it out to be because it's, but it is so fucked. Oh, it is. It has it its is. moments. Have you gotten to the second season yet? Not yet. I'm still in the... There's some... I did jump ahead to season three because I didn't realize that there was a lot of continuity in this show. Oh, yeah. Well, I... Actually, season three hasn't happened. It has. It aired. Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. It just started after, like, two years. The entire reason why he's doing time travel is to go back to 1998 to get the McDonald's Szechuan sauce from the Mulan McDonald's (laughs) tie-in. Oh my god, I forgot about this one. Roxanne! Was that 87? 87. Wow. I love Roxanne. That is a great wow. that is that is a Steve Martin classic. That yeah, is, that, is, that is this wasn't wild and crazy guy Steve Martin. This, this was, was more legitimate. Grounded. Yeah, legitimate actor, you know, doing great great comedic roles. Yeah, yeah, this was Cyrano de Bergerac 
brought to the modern era. He, mm, yeah. he did some goofy stuff, but yeah, it was very. It was very. But well it's weird if you watch the trailers. The trailers are pretty much, hey, this is goofy Steve Martin. But then you watch it, and, it, and he's really kind of a tends to be like a really a secondary character. Yeah. Yeah, but that was that was how they were like, this is how we're going to market the movie right. and get people to come see it, and then we're going to show them that he actually has some acting chops. Yeah, I remember this was like the first like big legitimate talk Steve Martin was going to become. Yeah. You know, like a serious actor. This was like serious Oscar talk for him. Any others before we uh, conclude, guys? Uh, Planes, trains, and automobiles. We kind of talked about that, but go ahead, Joe. Uh, we we talked about being a Thanksgiving classic. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, no, no I, I, I kind of forgot, but no, it is. It is such a quotable movie, and it's it, it's a thanks. Th- this is the movie that starts the holiday season for me. <laughs> Every year at Thanksgiving, I put this on, and I know it's holiday time. <laughs> I know it's time to get into the mood. Pissed off. <laughs> well, there's also um, we also didn't mention the. Comedy classic, Throw Mama from the Train. Oh, man. Billy Crystal. Billy Danny Crystal DeVito. and Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. And Anne Ram. And Ram. Anne Ramsey. Anne Ramsey, yep. She got an Oscar nomination for this. Mm. I remember my, my mother's old boyfriend, Tom, said that one of the best side man, straight man roles of this era was Wynton Marce- or, uh, Bradford Marcellus, who was just, he was Billy Crystal's best friend in the movie, but he's so, like, he doesn't attempt to steal the scenes or do anything like that. He just is. Yeah. He's just there. Anything else? Greed is good. Oh, God. Wall Greed Street. Greed is Jesus, right. Think about this. Oh, Greed okay. works. A movie that is heroic only to douchebags. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, but isn't isn't Charlie Sheen the hero of that movie? Oh, Jesus Christ. Why? Why are you bringing that up? Why are you bringing Charlie Sheen up? And they made a sequel with the beef. Yeah, yeah, they did. What about what about the Living Daylights? Oh shit! Oh god! Yeah, so many movies. It's like we we're totally. Let me put it this way: in the interest of time, we can't go over every movie released. I, I thought we could save the Living Daylights for a Bond episode. We kind of uh, yeah. did one already, like five years ago. But Living Daylights, um, honestly, out of the two Dalton movies, maybe the worst of the two. I kind of like I, I, I kind of like License to Kill. I actually prefer this one over License to Kill. Well, th- this one is more of a tried and true Bond movie. Yeah, than which is License why I like Kill. it. More. Okay, which makes sense. I don't mind. I, you know, I actually like the Aha theme. Yeah, it's not bad. Oh, actually, no, I, I like I like yeah the Aha yeah. theme. Yeah, I like that one a lot actually. Now I thought now I thought this movie was a lot more highly regarded, and we haven't talked about it. Empire of the Sun. Right. You know what? Realistically, let's put it this way. This is how jam-packed this movie season is. We didn't even bring up what one best picture. The Last Emperor. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, there are so many movies. And, I mean, yeah, Empire of the Sun. Isn't that, um, that's a Steven Spielberg movie with Christian Christian Bale, Bale, right? Yeah. Yeah. Christian Bale's first first acting role. Yeah. Uh, Last Emperor. I remember looking beautiful, but I couldn't tell you the first thing about it. No, I never saw it. I remember a couple scenes from it when I watched it, but not much. And Dragnet. Oh my god, Dragnet. Oh, Dragnet! Drag- I love Dragnet. Dragnet. I watched Dragnet a lot when Dragnet, I was a kid. Dragnet is a horrible guilty pleasure. Yeah, it is. But it's. That's... Did you say it was a horrible guilty pleasure? No, gu- guilty. guilty pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. Oh god. Yeah. There you go. I got it. I got I'm it. I'm gonna do the goat dance now. <laughs> All right. 
It, you know what is funny to remember a time before Tom Hanks was actually considered a really big deal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When when Tom Hanks was just that funny guy. Yeah, he was a you need you had a straight laced guy. Then you had Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah. Dan Aykroyd yeah. was the straight laced guy. Oh my god! He, you know the thing is, I understand what he's trying to accomplish, but he's almost unbearable in this movie. Almost. Mainly because it's Dan Aykroyd, and realistically speaking, he's the worst part of Ghostbusters. <laughs> Well, compared to everybody else, compared to the other Ghostbusters, well, I, mean, that, I actually like Winston better than I like. That's, that's like that's like saying you know that's the that's the diamond that's just Lee shiny. Come on, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah, true. And also, also Bill Murray is slimy. Yeah, I slimy. understand. Well, he, literally, he, dork, dorky. I like slimy. Not he so much. did have drugs in his pocket <laughs> before he realized that he was actually going to have to use them <laughs> for their intended purposes. So. We also have the uh, the movie that is no longer Bill Cosby's lowest lowest point of his career. Oh, Leonard <laughs> Part Six. Yeah, I did watch that a few times on HBO. Oh my god, that was like you know the height of my enter- enjoying. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I just I was just confused by it. the title was confusing enough. Yeah. They explain it. They can't. They couldn't show you parts one through five because they were classified. Right. Ugh. Well, that's the problem. Is I never watched any of them because it's like I couldn't. I think this was my introduction to vegetarians existing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was Leonard Part Six. What else you got, Mike? Anything of note? Batteries not included. Uh, it, it's it's it, you know it's a fun little movie. It's ET for old people. Yeah, it's it's not bad. You know Jessica Tandy, Elizabeth Pena. Yeah, it's ET for old people. Yeah, uh-huh. I thought that was uh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right, so it's E.T. meets Cocoon meets old people. Hey, Brad Bird wrote, uh, co-wrote the screenplay. Oh, he did? He did. Really? Oh, you're right. You're right. He did. And then he became a director of the best Pixar movies ever. Yes, he did. And he will be the he will be Incredibles Part Two, which is being made because there is footage. It has been seen. I didn't see it, but Jonna did. Oh, okay. All right. Spill it, Jonna. Yeah, apparently. Uh, um, uh, 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 Penelope, no, yeah, that's Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Wreck-It Ralph too. Then no, Johnny didn't. Did not. <coughs> yeah, no, she saw. Yeah, she saw stuff from Wreck-It, Wreck-It Ralph, Ralph too, which is coming out. Yeah, like, I think next year. Yeah. Anything else? No, no. It's all fun. right, it's awesome guys. You got any of the movies you can remember? Nope. nope. All right. Well, so Team Wolf Two, huh? Team Wolf Two. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> We're now in the Jason Bateman. In the Jason Bateman area. Yeah, exactly. Where he's like doing awesome work. Right. The Bateman Renaissance. Bateman Renaissance. Yeah. I thought that was Arrested Development. Well, that's, no, the, that's, that's, that's what was started it. Oh. And it hasn't yeah. stopped. He has been yeah, on a non stop awesome train Wolf, ever since. Yeah. yeah, Team Wolf 2 was not. Apparently, his new um, his new Netflix show is actually very good. I heard good. Ozark is apparently awesome. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet because I have no time to watch anything, but yeah. there it is. So anyway, guys, good good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. My God, we might actually, with edits, get this under tw- two hours. Whoa. Yeah, I don't, That's I don't, I don't amazing. Breathe right through it, yeah. All right, so next episode. We've got a bit of a project here because we're, we're leading up to episode 150. For episode 150, not to give it away too much, for episode 50... We did the best comic, the uh, best superhero movies ever made. Yeah. All right. Which is essentially, again, listener based votes. Um, so we figured it's 100 episodes later. Yeah. It's, it's like, been at least six years later. Yeah. So a lot has happened in six years. Mm. 
we did, just a few extra movies. We didn't have an Avengers movie six years ago. Yeah. All right? We didn't have oh, Captain America Civil so War. Before we get to 150, where we talk about the best comic book movies of all time, we're going to go to 149, the, the worst gorgeous. comic book movies of all time. That's voted by you. <laughs> so, we're doing 15 of them. So what we want from you are your 15 worst comic book movies. These are domestic, theatrically released movies. Do we want 15 or just 10? We'll do 15. Okay. What the hell? I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing uh, what, up what to 15. Up to 15. If you okay. can't think of that many, you can still vote. You can still yeah. vote, yeah. Um, However many you can so think of. So these are domestically released movies, and they have to have been theatrically released in the United States. So, the Captain America movie from 1990 with Matt Salinger does not count. The <laughs> Dolph Lundgren Punisher was a TV movie. Was a TV movie doesn't count. count. The Roger Corman Fantastic Four doesn't got, count. Never got released. Yeah, exactly. I have to. I have to. All the directed DVD, video, cartoons. Yes. Don't count. However, Fan Stick does count. Yes, exactly. And guess what's going to be on my list? <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's going to be on a lot of people's lists. And. Mm. I, I saw it first day. I can't get that you hour and a half. Dummy. All right. So that's what we want. You can uh, send them to us on our Facebook page, which is Geek Salad Podcast. Um, you can email us your your up to fifteen list for the worst uh, at geeksaladradio at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Geek Salad Radio. And I think I did everything. Yeah. All right. And you can listen to our archive either at iTunes. Uh, on the Stitcher app or on the Podbean app or check out the full everything um, on our YouTube page mm -hmm. uh, which is just Geek Salad Radio yep, yep. and our um, website which is geeksalad.podbean.com so you guys got anything else to plug before we move on? No, not right now. Plug. Yeah. I'm good. You're good? I think we're good. We're hot. It's late. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. I'm Catherine. Go forth and be nerfled. Talk to you later. Freaks!